0: people treat their job, their career, how they feed their family for the rest of their lives as a hobby. And they're not obsessive about getting great at it. And it's like, we're jealous and envious of wildly successful people, especially athletes. And it's like, well, why did they get to where they're at? Not accidentally. Welcome to another episode of The Drive. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. What's up, What's up brother? <laughs> How you doing? It's good, Mike. Did you see it? You so, too. So, I mean,
1: for everybody out there that's watching right now or listening, um, you know, how did you kind of get started in this business? What's that? What's that origin story for Mike?
0: Yeah, so um, I grew up in the car business. My dad was a you know kind of a mechanic by trade, and when I was a kid, we grew up you know very blue collar Detroit. Um, he, my dad uh, didn't have a job when I was a kid. He would buy cars for cheap, fix them up, and sell them. And I was nice. a little boy that would you know I was three, four years old, holding the orange shop light for my dad <laughs> to work on cars, and then That's put them cool. in the front yard and sell them. I mean, it was like started from started from the bottom now we're here kind of kind of story right and uh you know my dad uh got into um selling cars as well Mm -hmm. and then you know I, i ended up um you know working with my dad at his dealership um until i went into the marine corps so like everything from, you know, painting cars and pulling weeds to filling out buyer's guides and lot, key tags, it was. getting titles, going to the you know DMV to do all that kind of stuff and selling cars. I think I sold my first car at a dealership when I was 14 and I was literally a kid. So my dad worked six, seven days a week when I was a kid. And if I didn't go to the dealership with them, I would have never saw my dad either. So it was kind of like that got ingrained in my head. My mom yeah. also worked six days a week. So like there wasn't gonna be anybody home anyway. So I would, um, you know, every weekend really, I go to work with my dad. Uh, summertime, six days a week, I worked as a kid, as like a ten-year-old kid yeah. with my dad at the dealership. That's cool. So I didn't know anything else. Um, I really went to the Marine Corps to get a break. You know, and um, <laughs> 9/11 happened shortly after I joined the uh, joined the Marine Corps. I was going out to you know live in California and shoot guns so and work what, out. So and,
1: I was gonna say, yeah, when did you sign up?
0: Uh, in in 2000. Um, I joined in, in 2000, 2000, so then yeah. shortly after um, I joined the Marine Corps, 9-11 happened, and then I ended up not living in California and getting paid to work out and shoot guns, but actually, you know, I did uh, two tours in Iraq, wow. and then uh, came back home, uh, got, I met my wife when I uh, just got back from the Marines, she was from New York, actually, and um, I thought I was going to get out and end up, you know, going to New York and, you know, going to college and figuring out a different job, <laughs> a different career, but yeah. I ended up getting into the car business right after I got out again. Uh, moving up the ladder. Because it was already in you. It was in yeah. your blood, right? It was my DNA. <laughs> it was in your DNA. It was in my DNA, so my, my brother-in-law, who's actually in the car business as well and still owns a dealership uh, to this day, he got me into the car business again when I got out. And I worked my way from, you know, BDC, running a BDC yeah. to selling cars and running dealerships and, yeah. you know, that side of the business. and. Um, I, it's, I've just been in it ever since. You know, That's I, cool. I, I, so I, I, I love the industry, and you know, I've, I've hopped out a couple times to do stuff on the finance company side of the business. Then it just sucks. You back it sucks in, me right? back in, you know. And now I, I love what I do now on the software side, right? Because it's like. You can help equip people with tools to help them be more successful. Yes. It's just a tool. There's a lot of software companies out there that like to tell you if you know you buy their tool, it's just going to automatically sell you cars, and it's like life is easy. Well, I a lot of dealers still that, think
1: that, right? But a tool's only as good as how well someone uses it, it I and mean, that's all it is, that's right? It, man. Like a rifle is only a rifle until someone
0: touches it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's <laughs> the then, same exact thing, man. <laughs> a, a hammer, right? You know. Yeah. And do it depends
1: it. on what you're doing with it.
0: Yeah. And I, I think right now, you know, especially in the digital retailing era, I'll call yes. it right now, is there's the, all, all these, you know, conversations about like I put this buy now button on my website and then I just sell magically sell cars So it doesn't happen like that. There's a lot of work that has to go on And again a tool is just a tool so I think I enjoy what I do now because I help um, Provide the industry with tools that equip people to provide a better customer experience Which is really what we're lacking right now is customer experience. Well, okay
1: Let's talk about that because I love the word experience, you know, um, you know the funny thing is if you were to take all the dealerships Google reviews out there and combine them together there's one word that sticks out and is used more often than any other word out there and it's not a four-letter word well it depends on the dealership Um, but it's word experience right because it goes both ways it was a great experience It was a horrible experience it was a fun experience you know experience it was an experience so I I think when dealerships right now they're looking at technology right? and unfortunately I I see what they're trying to do is like it's kind of like taking a square peg and sticking it into a round hole. Right. You know, it, they're looking at just this this piece of technology, and, and they're thinking it just fits into their daily operations. Right. What they don't realize is that the technology is is more of a process the tech supports the process. So it's like how, like the dealership needs to really look at their process and embrace this new process, not try to make something fit into this round hole. And their
0: people too, right? So this is the thing that I think is is often overlooked, right? And I use the really simple analogy of, and a lot of my buddies that I grew up with are in the construction business, right? So I use this as an analogy is that, if you had the wrong people that didn't know how to build a house and you gave them all the best possible tools on the market, I mean, you spent all the money in the world and they had the air guns and they had all this kind of stuff that, that should allow them to build, but, but you, they, they don't want to do the job. They weren't properly trained how to do it. They don't have the right incentive in place to do the job, right? like they're not gonna build you a good house. They may not even finish a house. And that's what happens in our industry, right? Is we we tend to overpromise this this career of uh, uncapped earning potential. Six
1: digit income. Right, like, yeah. Right.
0: And it's like, well, we don't say that after three years and after you get repeat and referral business yep, and all this, exactly. it's just so you, we get people with this expectation <laughs> that they're gonna come in and that every time that you talk to somebody on the phone or, or in person, they're gonna buy a car. We don't say, look, you're gonna to talk to nine people, you're gonna sell the 10th person a car, yep. right? Like we don't set the expectations, right, of what work is necessary and we'll do training and what happens I think is we can train people how to do all these things right, but if the expectation isn't that you're going to have to fail more yes. than you succeed, that's when we're gonna have a problem and I think that's what happens a lot. Well, And I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong,
1: but you know, I imagine that is probably a core lesson of yours being in the Marines.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Everything's I mean, a process. Yeah, is a like process. There's, there's,
1: and it's not an option. See, this is the other you thing that drives do it. me nuts. You have to do it. Is that you know I was talking to a dealership the other day who just bought into a digital retailing tool, and I'm asking how that goes, and they're like, eh. I'm like, well, what's going on? And it's like, the the employees' usage of the tool is all over the place. You got one or two guys that are crushing it, and you got a couple guys that are, mm, and then you got one that's like fighting. It. I'm like, well, what's wrong with them? And they're like, well, they don't want to use it why is it even an option, you right. know? In the Marines, did you have an option?
0: No, you didn't, you know, and it's a different, it's a command and control kind of environment, right? So it's a lot different. And you know, I always say in the Marine Corps, you, you sign a contract, right? And the USMC stands, stood for, you signed a MF and contract, right? So it's a little bit different because you had to do, you had to do it. Well, now, you know, in the car business or in any business, right, you, you hire an employee yep. and they don't have to do what you tell them to do. Now, if they, if they want to stay employed in some cases, they probably should. It's a good idea. Yep. But I'm a big, I'm a people person and a leadership person, and I think, you know, you have to inspire people and, and give them a whiff them, right? A what's in it for what's me to it for do me, it? Yeah. And now, if you've if you've done everything you can to provide clear expectations, you've provided them a what's in it for me? You've given them the training, the support to do this, and they still don't want to do it, that you, you got to make the decision then at that point. Well, you got to get the employee to own your why.
1: Right, right. Like I think as an industry, we're pretty good about knowing. Well, we all know what we do, right? Right. We sell cars and we service them, and we we sell parts. You right. know, uh, for the most part, I think as an industry, we do a pretty good job of training how we go about doing that. Right. Um, but I don't see a whole lot of like spending time with the employees and, and going over why we do it. The way that we do it, right. so it's like, how can you expect an employee to embrace a piece of technology when they don't necessarily know or embrace your why
0: in right. in buying and signing up for that piece of technology in the first place? Right, like, what's the what's the purpose of it? And I think the the why behind it. There's a, um, a gentleman named Simon uh, Sinek. Right, the Start yep. with Why is a book I read a long time ago, and it was really good. But it's you know I think I listened to that one. It's a it's a it's yeah. a really good one. You know, if, if you haven't read it, it's one that uh, it's worth it's worth reading or listening to on an right. audiobook too. But um, people really need to understand the why behind you know, why why they're why they're doing something, why they're doing yes. something a certain way, you know, why do you go to work every day? I had yes. a post this morning before NADA which was like why are you here? I thought that was perfect. <laughs> you need to know why you're here because otherwise, like I just see so many people that walk around aimlessly, and it's like, hey, so you know what you're brings just you looking out for
1: that shiny thing?
0: What's gonna grab my yeah. attention, right? And I'm waiting for somebody to sell me something that I'm. Pre- and this is funny, as I, I worked for a gentleman who's a very successful guy for for many decades. He's a billionaire, yeah. Uh, and I worked for him at, on the dealership side and on a finance company side for a long time. And when I worked for him on the dealership side we'd go out to NADA and he would give me advice. He'd say, Michael, be really careful when you come out here. He goes, because there's a bunch of solutions looking for a problem.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's the best way to describe uh, it. I love that.
0: So everybody creates these solutions, and they say, you know what? we got to make sure we tell these dealers they have a problem. we got to let yeah. them know they have a problem that only we can <laughs> solve, right? And it's like, you need to check yourself and say, "Like, do I even have this problem? And sometimes yeah. there's cases that you don't realize you do, and I, hey, I give a lot of people credit for that because you are solving a unique problem. But yeah. for the most part, you need to know when you come out to an NADA or a digital dealer, you go to any kind of conference, right? It's like, why am I going here? And it's the same thing with an employee of why do you go to work every day? Like, like one is, hey, I want to make income. I want to provide for my family. Well, that's another point. And it's it's finding out what your employees wise are, you know, and it's different for
1: everybody. And maybe the, maybe the guy wants to move out of his mom's basement. Maybe the guy needs to pay for his daughter's tuition, right? You know, or maybe he's a service advisor because he wants to be a service manager you know
0: you have to ask yeah it, it sounds it, so basic but you have to ask well
1: how can we get them to believe into our wife we don't intimately know their why and I, here's a, actually and i, and I kind of struggle why dealerships don't do that you know and I, i've come to this and i want you to get your thought and opinion on that is there's there is a level of expectation all right when you have knowledge right. so once you know something about somebody you know it's now kind of your responsibility like what right. are you you're responsible your for knowing this information now you know so the service advisor tells you that you know he's a service advisor because he wants to be a service manager well aren't you, you're gonna be now kind of responsible to, now since you know his why, and you want him to follow your why, then you better figure out how the heck that guy's gonna become a service manager.
0: So like, I'm a big believer in personal responsibility, right? And as a leader, you've got much more personal responsibility. And oftentimes we think of the hierarchy of any business, right? And I don't even like to just say automotive, right? But in any business, there's a hierarchy. And we often think of, you know, the owner, the president, the CEO is at the top and then the layers go beneath them and then the ground level employees at the bottom, but it's yep. the opposite, right? Oh, like 100%. you, it's an inverted triangle, right? And it's, yep. you, you've you gotta be at you're the at bottom. at the bottom of that, t- holding it, it all up. Right, it's yep. its all the responsibility falls on you. So you have to work to make sure that everybody else on top of you is aligned with what you're doing. You can't just expect them to say like, hey, I'm gonna tell you the goal this month is to sell 200 cars. And then I expect all you guys to figure out how to sell 200 cars. I'll see you at the end of the month. Yeah. It sounds silly, that happens in a lot of places.
1: It happens in a lot of places, and I also find. So let's get to digital retailing because I, I do. This is perfect. We're in a, we're in a Tesla. Right. So let's talk tech. Uh, this makes perfect, mm-hmm. right? Um, digital retailing. The way the dealerships, or a lot of the sales managers I'm talking about, is that you know their dealer principals or GMs are going to events like this. Right. and They're coming back with this tool, and the way that the dealers explaining the tool to the employees is that we're going to sell more cars. Right. Like it's a magic, it's a magic bullet. It's a a diet pill. You know, you want to lose twenty pounds fast. You want to sell twenty cars more. Here you go. Stick right. that tool in, right? Right. But it's the why behind it is more for the consumer, less for the, the dealership and for the employee. So it's like, how do we make sure that when people are looking at digital retelling that they understand that the system is yes, it assists you and helps you,
0: but it's designed for the consumer. Right. Everything about it's for the consumer. Right. So I, I'm a big believer in this. It's it's change management. Is you got you have to understand that you're changing you're changing a process. You're changing the status quo way somebody's been doing something, right? Yep. And the, the the language that I use a lot is they say it's got to be a pull versus a push. So if you come to a conference like this, or if you have a meeting or a, a web meeting with a, a a vendor and they sell you, if you're the owner, the GM, the whoever, right? And they they sell you on a product for you to then say. So let it be written. So let it be done. You guys are now going to use this tool. You're going to have pushback, and there's a saying that I've used a lot called malicious obedience. They're like, okay, I'm going to do exactly what you tell me to do. I'm going to do exactly how they train me to do it, even if it fails, and even if I see a way that I could adapt to this and make it work better. I'm not <laughs> giving you any it. feedback, and I'm just going to say, I I'll prove that. you, I'll prove you right. Around. I
1: see it all the time, like yeah. all the time. Yeah. You know, I have um, out of all the clients we have, I think we have roughly about. 25 or 30 of them that are using a digital retailing product. And it's from all different types of companies, right? Yeah. Um, and I would say maybe two of them, maybe two, where it's like I can go in and talk to the staff and I ask the staff, so, you know, why are you guys using this? And the answer was because it's great for the customer. Right. But instead, mostly otherwise, when I ask the staff, why are you using this? because uh, my sales manager
0: told me how to do it. dad dad told me because I said so right I mean that's that's really what it boils down to and it's like there's a there's a it, it takes a little bit more time yeah. to do it this way but it's a lot a lot more likely to stick and be successful is that let's just say that you want to implement a digital retail solution or anything right but sure. I'll, we'll use digital retail because that's what we're talking about a digital retail solution into your business mm-hmm. you can either do your demo and then tell everybody they're using it, or you can probably take a look at that and take a look at one or two other options, get an idea of what you want to do, and then say, hey guys, look, we're evaluating digital retailing options, right? Yes. I want your feedback on what do you think is gonna work best for you to be successful here, right? Allow them to go through a demo. You don't have to do any more work these vendors do, right? Yeah, let them, guys let guys them like do me, it, right? let them do it, right? They have to let go do this work. Let them help
1: perceived value, right. right? Because the, I love, I love perceived value, like, Because it's not real, it's just Perception. It's whoever that person, however they say it. So the dealer principal perceives the value in the solution one way, the general manager will perceive the value in one way, but it's like we don't seem to spend enough time talking to the people who are actually going to use it. Right. All right. And it's like, do they have
0: the perceived value behind the product? Right. And if they do, here's the funny thing is that if you give them a couple options and you allow everybody to decide what they're going to use, kind of come to a quorum, what's going to happen is that then they're going to want to prove you right that they. made a good decision
1: yeah, oh, that's now right.
0: they're gonna want to say see we are responsible we made the right decision especially that guy who maybe was a salesperson who wants to be a sales manager yes he's gonna be the leader hey guys here's what we got to do it and they're gonna start to get together and try to figure out how do we make this work versus hey man, this is a threat. They're trying to sell cars online. They're trying to phase us out. You know, you have the union meeting, everybody's on the side of the building smoking <laughs> cigarettes, talking about how they're going to sabotage this last initiative that the yep. GM wanted to roll out. And it's like, it happens across the country. I
1: think you've seen the same meetings I
0: have. Yeah. We have, yeah, right. it doesn't matter if you're if you're in, you know, Montana or Minnesota or Michigan, right? It's, yeah. it's the same. Everybody, it's well, exactly it's different so. here. Our store is different. It's like, guess what? Through my time working in dealerships and consulting with dealerships over the last you know, all of my adult life pretty much, it doesn't matter if you're in California, Florida, and I've never been to Canada in a dealership, but I'm imagining they're probably pretty similar in the US. and Once Canada right in a
1: few. Yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty similar, right? Yeah. So it's
0: like it, the problems are the same, the people problems are the same. and you just have to you know realize that, I think, and you solve the problems a lot easier. I, there's three reasons why someone ultimately chooses to do business with
1: you, right? Uh, ironically, it's the same three reasons why they choose not to do business with you too. People, product and the operational experience right you know the consumer just uses the words experience When they use the word experience what they're really saying to you is the processes that you designed made me feel this way right 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 and it's that's the approach I think we have to take we have to be developing these processes not necessarily for our own our own selfish needs but when we develop a process for the consumer all right, we're the ones that actually end up reaping the benefits of it. Right, but as, there are a good, there's a good chunk of people in our industry that are doing a good job of that. I think, but so. then there's still a lot that are fighting
0: it. Yeah, and like, no, my customers got to go this road
1: direction. Road to, to the
0: sale. It, right, you got to go the road to the sale. Right, yeah, same for everybody. It's like everybody's journey is different. Every, what everybody wants to accomplish is different. And the funny thing is, is that I think as an industry, we've we've solved the wrong problem. Right, yes. as we've said. Customers want to buy a car the way they want to buy something on Amazon, right? And it's not, because if you look at it, there's two ways that we've tried to solve this. One is all this technology, and it's kind of the Carvana-esque approach of like doing most of this online. The other is the manual way, and if you go into major markets like New York, this is common. Um, Even in Michigan, I've I've seen this pop up more often than not, is um, brokers are popping up a lot. So people are saying, I don't want to deal with the headache of buying a car. Yes. So it's not necessarily, it goes back to what you said earlier, it's an experience problem. It's not a, I want to buy it online, because if you think about this, it's like, if you asked a customer, would you want to go through finding, uh, researching a car for 14 hours on average, which is what all the studies say right now is 14 hours. Do you want to go through all this research? Do you want to go through and desk your own deal, appraise your own car, do all this stuff yourself or would you rather have somebody do all of it for you and then help you and if if you ask the questions we say well no I'd rather have somebody (laughs) do it for me the problem is is that we've done such a horrible job with customer experience and we've built this this, like distrust of our industry and everybody in it that people are like well I one I don't trust you're going to give me a good experience and two I don't trust that you're going to give me a fair deal well because you have to understand like the experience is for the customer the experience is not for us so uh,
1: that's the very first thing it has we have to change our whole mentality around it you know it's like it I also think you know people seem to think this experience is like this tangible thing it's this like physical thing like I'll put a coffee shop in my dealership that's an experience right right we saw Uh, that in in the 2000s remember that remember that was a big push now I got massage chairs right oh we got some dealerships got movie theaters now in them too little private screening rooms and stuff like that that's that experience those are cool I mean, right. there could be a small element to I had this great experience there, but right. it's not the experience. And I find the reason why we're struggling to get to developing the experiences
0: because of lack of goals and objectives. Yeah, that's true. Do you true. feel the same? I, I think that's that's definitely one of the data points is a lack of goals and objectives. And it's kind of that, the why. You go back to the why, yeah. and it's kind of the what, right? You've got a, a who, what, why, where, when, how, right? You know, yeah. these things. It's like you go back to the very basics of anything, and it's like, you know, what are we trying to accomplish here, right? Like, clearly define it, and I think, you know, goals, a clear, a clear vision of where you're trying to get to, right? So first, you need to have yeah. a goal of like, where are we trying to get to? The vision is, you know, how do we get there, right? And then the plan is the execution, right? Yes. Like, that's what we need to get to. And I think, absent that, you just have people that are like, we're trying to sell cars. So they just know like, the goal is to sell cars, right? Well, I, I,
1: I can't tell you, if I had
0: a nickel for every time I asked somebody what their goal and objective was,
1: and the response was, sell more cars i wouldn't be i wouldn't have to be doing this right yeah, now absolutely. like it's kind of crazy like that's our default let's just sell more cars okay so let's get a little more granule right let's say we do want to sell more cars well we have to define the audience that's going to help us actually even meet the gold objective right and then we need to develop out the processes for that audience not for me but for that audience because i need to remove all that friction so it's right. like we seem to get to the point where Let's say some dealerships will actually define the goal and objective. Very granular, exactly. I want to sell this many RAV4s, this many of this. Okay, that's cool. Then reverse back to find the audience. And then it's like it it stops. (laughs) It's like, well, we're going to keep doing it the way we've been doing it.
0: So it's funny. I had a a very lucky, very blessed in my life to have some good mentors and people that gave me good advice. right? And when I was a young man, kind of fresh out out of the Marine Corps, selling cars, i had a a gentleman that gave me the advice as he just said you know if you treat people better than anybody else has treated them everything else is going to take care of itself if you just focus on that everything else will take care of itself now mind you i was selling cars in detroit rough customers very rough credit challenged area right so people are used to getting beat up treated like crap and this is you know going on 15 years ago so this is where Things were, you know, the, the technology wasn't out there. The transparency wasn't out there. wasn't expected. Yeah. If you had challenge credit, you probably spent half a day or a day at a dealership, right? I treated every person, every person that I talked to, like a million bucks, like they had a million dollars, and like they had perfect credit. And I served them. I had a servant mentality with these people.
1: Yeah, that's the key.
0: I consistently, consistently sold 40 cars a month. And not without trying it was a, it was a process right well,
1: Of course that's still a lot of work
0: <laughs> but I just looked at it like that is everything else will take care of itself if I treat them better than anybody could treat them and it, no matter what no matter and I there was one time that I can remember we had about 11 salespeople on the on the showroom floor and there was a guy that came up on a bicycle yes, okay? You can imagine what this looked like, right? Everybody scurried, I've right? This. Yep. It yep. looked like roaches, right? right? Yep. They they ran away, and and I just it always stuck in my head is treat everybody better than they've ever been treated, right? And and, it, and the rest will take care of itself. I walked out there, and at the time the GMC Envoys were like you know they're just the bomb, right? Everybody yep. loved them, and this guy comes up on a bicycle. And it, you know, doesn't look like he has a, a, a dollar to his name. He walks up to a GMC Envoy, and it had the TVs in it, leather. I mean, it was just the <laughs> Mac Daddy version of this truck, right? All these guys, I can tell the guys are outside smoking cigarettes, laughing They're at me, laughing like at you think deal. this guy can even buy this? You're wasting your time, right? And I went to the guy. We dested deal. We come out, and I was like, hey man, you know, great news. We got you approved on this. This is all set. You know, just to drive this home today, you only need. You know, four thousand five hundred and eighty-two dollars, and you know your payments. You know, four hundred and thirty bucks a month. You can drive it home. The guy goes, "Oh, you're kidding me!" And I can hear the guy say, "I told you so." This guy yeah. couldn't buy anything. Get wasted this time. He's like, "I, I I've been saving for a year." And he pulls out a wad of cash. He goes, I've got 4300 dollars man. I can't buy it with that. And I was like, I went back to the desk and I'm like, pretty sure I can do something here. We figured it out. I sold this guy a car and I made a biggest commission I probably ever made to that point on this deal. And it was like, it was awesome. And it just reinforced that with me forever of like, don't ever judge anybody. Like if you had a bad day, wipe it away. If you don't feel good, wipe it away. Just treat everybody like a million bucks. You'll get referrals, well, life is
1: good. That's the definition of being kind. Right. So I had a salesperson uh, come up to me recently and I may have posted a video about it. Um, but he, w- he was, I don't know, felt like he was a little beaten down, right? And what I come to find out is that he was being nice to everybody. He was being nice to his customers and, but he wasn't getting the results he was looking for. Right. And I said, therein lies the problem. You're being nice, right? Being nice usually comes with an expectation for something in return. Sure. Right? I'd be nice to that person, they'll be nice to me. You know, being kind, right, is serving someone because you are convicted to do so. Yeah. Not because you have an expectation of something out of it. Right? So it's like when you take that that approach and you're kind with everybody and it's just, you, you have the kind of natural ability to just kind of build relationships. Right. And I imagine that person probably referred a few of his friends to
0: you too. Absolutely, um, <laughs> absolutely. I've had I've had people years later use me as a reference. I was their car salesman. They used me a reference on the next car they bought from somebody else because I was no longer there anymore. It made that big of an impact on somebody. They're like, Mike, Mike was a good guy. He'll tell you that I'm I'm, I'm a good guy, right? And he you know used me as a yeah. reference on their on their car before. But you're you're, you're be kind, right? Like yeah. there's there's three things that the, the way that I've decided at a point in my life to live my life every day, right? And yeah. it's. Be patient, be kind, and have grace, right? Those three mm-hmm. things. If you're if you're if you're patient with people, that's gonna serve you well, right? I, I think now in our instant gratification society where we expect everything immediately, we can get frustrated with people and we can things can go sideways when you lose your patience with people. Whether that's your kid, you said you have three kids, I have two kids, a, a three year old and a seven-year-old. <laughs> You know, if dad's patient, they love me when dad's not patient. Just the whole environment's not good, right? So to be patient first, be kind, like you said. It's just regardless of any expectation, be kind. It's contagious, right?
1: It's a real intent to serve. It's, it's not because you're getting paid to do so. Right. It's because you've chosen that, that that's the way you're going to operate your
0: business. Right. That's it's the lady behind the counter at the gas station. It's yeah. the, you have zero to gain in return. You are just trying to be kind, right? Yep. And the other thing is to have grace, right? I don't I don't know about you, me personally, I've made I couldn't tell you how many mistakes I've made. I can't tell you how many screw ups I've made, how many people I've probably hurt by doing things that I didn't intend to do. Um, I needed a lot of grace in my life and yep. I got a lot of grace, thankfully, right? And that's I think awesome. I'm obliged to give that in return to people. So I think when you interact with people and to help them even when they don't deserve it, yeah. Is, is It goes a long way, um, and I think when you live your life like that, be, be patient, be kind, and have grace, it, it goes a long way, and it can, it can really make a positive impact on, on the world, on, on a business, on your relationships with everybody. And it's just kind of my, my credo, so to speak. Well, I think that's a key to, I mean, I look for
1: patterns. I'm, I love identifying patterns, right? I think that's why I love doing marketing, because I'm just always looking for patterns within the right. marketing. Um, I look for patterns in entrepreneurs, and I'll tell you, those three things that you just said there is a very consistent pattern that I see in some of the most successful people out there. Yeah. And you know, as those people that are out there watching and listening to this, we really have to do get back to this space where they are operating their own business. Yeah, entrepreneurs, right? yeah. You know, When I first, you know, it's, it's funny, I don't know how it changed over time or something like that, but you know, when I first started, when I got into the business, I'm sure when you got into the business too, it's like I was just renting a desk. That's it. In yeah, my head, that's shop. all it was. It was a barbershop and yeah. I'm just renting a desk and they got a product. Um, but this was my business. Absolutely. These were my clients, you know. So my approach to them was all long-term.
0: And yeah. the way I had manila folders, fun. man. I mean, I can remember I had a rolling file cabinet with manila folders and every person that I talked to, I had their folder. And I would call people, this is before CRMs. I mean, I yeah. feel old as heck when I'm talking about this right <laughs> now, but like I had my, uh, like Outlook was just recently out, Microsoft Outlook, and I would just have like, move the dates along on, on when I would call GM. people. That's yeah, I that was I'm my ready, CRM.
1: Was, I, my, I think one of the biggest keys to my success before the CRM, it was I did an action, I scheduled an action. That was just
0: well, Well, it goes back it to simple. do what you say you're going to do, yeah. right? So the funny thing is because I used Outlook, when I set an appointment for somebody, and they showed up, I was waiting for them. I'd already reviewed their file. I knew they were going to come in. I had the car that they wanted to actually drive, pulled up, ready for test drive. That is, to this day, very few people do that. It sounds crazy. I did the same thing, and I remember I, actually I
1: remember I had had a sales manager that uh, definitely not in the business anymore, obvious reasons, Um, but um, I would pull the car up, and he would get upset with me. You're taking up a, a, a parking spot. I'm like, well, I don't care. And then on a just a white piece of paper, I wrote the customer's name. John Smith or whatever yeah. Jane Doe, whatever it is, and I'd stick it in the dash. Right. And boy did everybody hate when I did that. Like I I got serious pushback from my dealership and other employees when I did that. And at, in the beginning I wasn't sure what it was. Of course over time I realized what it was. So they were just straight up jealous. Yeah. They're you like know, shoot, they're I should have like, came you're up with executing that. Executing service. Right. You
0: know, substantially better than anybody else. It's kind of the union mentality, right? Of like the, you're like, Hey man, if you're working hard, you're setting the bar too high. We're happy. We're happy selling eight cars a month. You're selling 15. You're making us look bad. Dump it down a little bit. Right. Yeah. So I know that's, that's true, but that's customer service. It's just do what you say you're going to do. I often hear the the term, you know, under promise and over deliver. And that's a, that's a good mentality. Right. But it's like just promise and deliver. Just do it. Like, that's why it's I love Nike. mental
1: mentality, but it's not something you actually want to do. Like, right. You
0: just, you know. It's so funny. It's like, if you say you're going to be someplace, be there and be there in time. If you say you're going to do something, do it. You know, like, uh, it, it seems like this, like foreign concept to people, because we're so used to not doing this now yes. and not getting, and not, ha- when people have any kind of service, right? Just, especially in the car business right now, we're used to that. And it's like, when I said, you've been to thousands of dealerships probably. I've been to thousands yep. of dealerships probably. The amount of times that, like, you would go to a dealership and somebody would have the car that the customer was like looking for, waiting for them to test drive. This sounds like a basic thing, right? It's
1: little things, man. It,
0: it's it's all the little things that it's add up to success. Things. Yeah. But
1: but to, I think for any salesperson, to watching and listening, to embrace the little things, you need to understand that you're operating your own business. 100%. And, and I, I don't, like I said, I don't know when that changed. If you noticed that change too? I
0: have. Like when yeah, you walk in,
1: there's still some of the older guys there that are still on there that I'm renting my desk mentality. But right. I'm watching a lot of these new salespeople get into the business, okay. and that is not in, in them.
0: It's, it doesn't seem to be in their DNA. I don't know, well, maybe I, it's because we're not training on it. I or... call it sales entitlement, right? Okay, <laughs> yeah. here, here's what it is. And I call it sales entitlement. It's not. It's not only the person's fault. And I think everybody, when they hear entitled, they think, oh, millennials, everybody, millennials are entitled. It's like, no, it's not what I mean. No, I mean, some Um. of the sharpest, hardest working, most entrepreneurial people I know are millennials, right? And and some of the most successful billionaires in our country right now are millennials, right? but when you when you look at it, the entitlement comes from the fact that we set the wrong expectations for people, right? Yeah. So when we hire people, we're trying to hire bodies, you know, flood the floor, right? You've heard yep. that before, right? We're just trying to get butts in seats and all the ads say, you know, un- uncapped income potential, $100,000 a year job, all these things Plans to get people leads. to come here, yeah. but they don't tell you that it's a $40,000 a year job today. And then maybe it's a 65,000 and then when maybe it's 85, it. right? And it's all on you, right? But those, those conversations aren't had, so we have entitlement, right? And I think back in the day, and I, I got a chance to meet a dealer from uh, Rockford, Illinois. This was a decade ago, I was a much younger man. But he, uh, he got back from World War II, and this guy's a wildly successful guy. Both of his sons went on to be successful dealers and entrepreneurs, and they're millionaires as well. So yep. this guy instilled some good DNA, right? But he said, my first job selling cars, right, was Studebaker's. And he said, when I showed up, to my job, just got back from World War II, got married, had to find a job. He said, the dealer tells me this. He goes, you see this building? Mm -hmm. This is mine. See these cars? These are mine. You see these customers? These are mine. He goes, you go find your own customers. And he said he had to drive around rural Illinois, door to door in a Studebaker, demoing customers door to door to win their business because anybody that came on the lot, he wasn't allowed to sell. Well, this has been early 50s? Yeah, this is 40s. This is 40, like, 40, yeah, late 40s. So yeah, okay. So like, when you think about, that's your business that's door awesome. to door. And this that's guy awesome. became a wildly successful guy because he's like, man, I have to start from the bottom and grind hard. And I think there's a lot to that of yeah. when you set the expectation, you're gonna get the right person for the job. Now the, the, the problem is, is that we all want immediate gratification. So we're like, yes. hey, can you, can you talk on the phone? Do you look halfway presentable? Can you buy some dress shoes? Great, you can sell cars, right? That's
1: pretty, that seems to be the requirement now these
0: days. Yeah, you can breathe and you can, you know, <laughs> buy a pair can of can dress you wear a yeah.
1: Can you suit do you have a pulse, okay. Yeah, there
0: you go, okay. right? And so that's that's the problem is that we don't take the job as seriously as it is. And when yeah. it's like, when you look at all the stats and it's great, we're at NADA where we've got all these studies and all these different things and you can hear about, you know, how much the dealer spends on average for a lead, right? Yep. And for me, when I was on the retail side, what really made me want to instill into everybody was how important each customer interaction was. Not just the customer that came in, each interaction, whether you're in the BDC, yeah, it's like, if I spent 400 bucks, if you looked at it like this, like literally, like Mm -hmm. if I spent 400 bucks to get this guy to call me, email me, text me, chat with me, right? And that's mismanaged. It is like somebody took $400 bills and burned them in front of your face. And if they did that, you would be pissed. However, we don't look at it the same way. It's like you know what we're busy, you know, we sold four hundred cars last month, so we burned through two hundred leads. It's like there's so much money laying on the but floor.
1: We're the only industry out there,
0: and I find what it is is that
1: we spend more time ta- more time talking about what we did and what we accomplished, not what we could have done, what we could have accomplished. Right. I mean, you know, I was talking to a gentleman today this morning. Um, you know, we're the only industry out there that accepts a a, a batting average of two fifty. Right. And we're like, yeah, we're good with that. But you wouldn't be playing ball. I don't know if you right. follow baseball Absolutely, well. yeah. Are you baseball fan? OK. Like, even if you're batting 350, it's still not, you know. But yeah. I mean, you think about those athletes. Really, we should really adopt that type of mentality. We are professional. They're professional. We have to take a professional approach to what we do. Right. You know, even a guy that's out there that's batting over 400 right now is still spending time at the gym, on the field, Looking at how he's going to do Yeah, exactly. It was all intentional to get to that point. And he's looking at how he's going to get to that next So
0: this is what I I, I laugh about, and a lot of this comes from the fact that we're so overwhelmed in the car business. And I have a lot of empathy because, like I said, I didn't see my daughter for the first year of her life. I worked so much in retail, right? Like you, there's so much to do every day. There's so many fires going on, and you know, you're you're running a franchise dealership. You've got to be good at new cars, used cars, F and I parts, service. Maybe you have a body shop, right? Like you have to be good at a lot of stuff, and you constantly have fires going on, right? So it's easy to get distracted. That goes back to the plan, right? Like having the goal having the plan having a vision of how to get there yeah. is like you need to then be able to delegate to people to say like how important is it to train every day like you, you think about like mm-hmm. if you know I, I don't care who you're a fan of we'll just use any NFL football team right sure. if they never practice if they just showed up every Sunday and played know, they'd like, be, awful. be watching no like, they would be like, awful what? it'd be a hobby right yeah. and that's I think too many people treat the job like it's a hobby not like it's a profession right so a hobby is you show up you do it whatever you know what like if, if I were to get onto a, a backyard football league with a bunch of guys that were over 30, right? Like that's what would happen. We're all busy. We all do other stuff and yep. we show up and then we do this thing for an hour, every, you know, Sunday, whatever it is, right? People treat their job, their career, how they feed their family for the rest of their lives as a hobby. And they, they're crazy. not obsessive about getting great at it. And it's like we're jealous and envious of wildly successful people, especially athletes. And it's of like, course. well, why did they get to where they're at? Not accidentally.
1: No, they didn't wake up one day. LeBron didn't wake up one day and all of a sudden just – I'm just it. accidentally good I'm it's just, like they just the best well, I don't know They're physically maybe he's gifted in some ways life. yeah I know absolutely but still, right but like
0: there's 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 folks in, in our industry that are gifted with just human interaction right yep. so that's a gift as well there's people that are amazing athletes that couldn't you know finish the sentence right yeah. but like we everybody everybody has their own unique gift right and it's up to you to cultivate it and do something with it and I think we have to have that mentality of like how do i get obsessive about being excellent at what i do and that's where the success comes right and i think it's... that's where i say that i need to see the training but i'm not right. seeing
1: enough training there it's like you know it's, it's like i'm looking at digital retailing and it scares me a little bit not because of what the product is i'm all for what sure. the software is and what the tool is able to do but i'm looking at digital retailing and i see dealers in fact i've even heard them use this and they think of it as like those um the kiosk stations at McDonald's. Right. That's what they think it is. But a lot of people
0: still don't even use those. Yes, you know, I know that's, that's the best part. Twenty people and the kiosks are sitting <laughs> open.
1: <laughs> like they're like, oh, you know, I can get this tool, and then what I don't really need is I don't really necessarily need salespeople anymore. I can just hire clerks. Well, right. There's still there's a lot of clerks in our industry
0: right sure. now. Um, <laughs> sure. This is true. But <laughs> I think it's it's it, it seems like the obvious problem, but we go back to the people don't want to buy their own car. Right? They don't. And when you think about it, if you've ever went through to buy a car in Carvana, which I have before, there's still human interaction. Yeah. It's not Amazon. It's no. not. Right. No. And even the delivery experience. Let's just say that um, Carvana, you did everything online, and the car shows up in your driveway, right? Car shows up in your driveway, and the guy's a jerk. He's smoking a cigarette. Your paperwork's a mess, and it took two hours to do that. They'd have horrible reviews, and a lot of people wouldn't want to buy cars on Carvana. Yep it's still a customer service and an experience. It goes, yeah. it, it's, it's an experience. People want a good experience. They want to buy a car, you know, they want to buy a car that they want, that meets their needs, that meets, meets their budget, and they want to do it quickly and efficiently, yeah. right? That's it, so.
1: Well, speaking of experience, because um,
0: I've had recently, in the last couple months, uh,
1: about half a dozen or so salespeople reach out to me. And I, I and i yourself, I keep myself really available. Right. Like, I mean, you know, you DM me, I'm gonna DM you back, yeah. um, uh, and, their dealership doesn't seem to want to define an experience. They're okay with maintaining this, what I call, full belly syndrome. Sure. You know, where they're just like, I'm happy right now. I don't really need to do anything else. Um, But the salesperson is a little hungry. And, you know, what advice would you give to a salesperson who wants to uh, carve out or develop out their own experience,
0: even though they're working for a business that doesn't want? To create an experience you can have the mike experience you can have the jason experience right like you can build your own brand there's a there's several people now that social media is out there you're, you're at a substantial advantage to broadcast to the world what your experience is all about and why you should buy a car from mike why you should buy a car from jason right yeah. and that experience can transfer and now you've built brand equity in yourself where you're gonna be recruited by other dealerships because they want the Mike experience or the Jason experience, and they want you to be contagious at their dealership and raise everybody else up. So it's really saying, I'm gonna quit making friggin' excuses yep. for why I'm not successful in blaming other people, and I'm gonna be successful regardless, right? And it, you have to decide that I'm gonna do it, period. End of story, that's it. Now,
1: where do you think someone should start? Like, what does it look like to start? I mean, I, I, I think back to like, You know, when I was, uh, we both would bring the car up for the test drive, you know, and uh, just little things like that. Or uh, I would throw this, write down the person's name, and throw it into the car, you know. but I'm talking to them, that doesn't seem to be clicking. Like They're not heading that direction, I don't know so, why. It's like, is... maybe they're looking for an easy button or something, I don't know. You have an
0: awesome question, right? And this is why I think we miss customer experience so much in the car business, and yeah. I'm guilty of this myself. right? Is because when I was in retail, I tried to be good at this and I missed it myself because I'm, I'm in the weeds every day, right? But it's, if you haven't tried to buy a car yourself, if you're a car salesman, right, and oh, you haven't boy. tried to buy a car yourself, go through and experience it. Talk mm-hmm. to five different dealerships and see what the pain's like and then try to solve those problems that you yourself went through, right? Yeah. And that's why it's great when you talk to consultants or different people that work with dealers across the country is that you get all these different perspectives, but I think until you go through it yourself, you don't really feel the pain, right? And mm-hmm. so like, I, I think for a, a salesperson that wants to define what does my experience look like, go through and try to, buy a car, try to buy a car yourself and then just take notes and then yeah. fix those things and then define it and then get on social media and talk to talk to everybody about it. Tell them what the Mike experience is about. Yep. Let them know about your dealership. And I, I think you know you've heard of um, you know El Patron before, right? Yeah. Big really. on social media. Yeah,
1: We're hanging later today.
0: Right. So <laughs> he did an excellent job of defining like what they're all about. And I think he kind of well, created he did, a blueprint. He, even he just found who he was as an individual. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, it's like either knowingly or unknowingly, uh, what he was doing there was he was just he was documenting and. So people had the opportunity to follow along with his passions, not passion, right? right? I mean, only half of his content's about the dealership. The other half is about family, working, yeah, working out, out, and you know, so it's, I, I'm telling, you know, a lot of these new salespeople, when they start developing on a brand, they start developing on an experience. Um, the, the experience is what you do professionally, all right? right. Your brand is what you're passionate about. Yep. And I don't care if if your brand. Look, if you're passionate about grape snow cones and Star Wars, then that's you. what that is you. All right. How did you and know what my brand was? <laughs> Wait, did you like stamp- <laughs> did I hit it? Grape snow cones yeah, and I Star my, Wars. My lapel
0: pin on uh, my sport <laughs> coat says "I know" and it's Han Solo.
1: Okay, so what do you think? Right, okay, now since I know this, I have to ask you. Yeah. All right. Thoughts and opinions on Baby Yoda.
0: Um. So I, the Mandalorian <laughs> as as a whole the show was super cool. And, I think everybody was kind of wondering, at least, you know, before you started reading blogs and stuff, like, <laughs> yep. is this Yoda as a kid? What is this? I, d- I don't think it was, like, defined clearly enough, but, like, <laughs> I'm a Star Wars traditionalist a bit, too, right? So, like, you know, the original three are my yeah. favorite. So, you know, I think it's it, it's kind of cool, but it's not my thing.
1: No? Right <laughs> okay. Um, I'm th- I was thinking it was kind of, like, maybe kind of a, it's a cute little, like, furry thing. I don't know. Like I just remember those little like dolls that were really popular with the kids. I dolls, yeah, right. yeah. I'm yeah, like maybe like maybe it's trying to bring in a new
0: audience. Like obviously yeah, there was. I think I think there was actually They're a strategy behind it. it. I want to say this you because know? you know, and, and I've got a. I just went to Disney World last week and I took my son to um, you know the, the Star Wars. Oh it my god! It looked like you used that so much I, fun. I had I was like seven years old myself <laughs> the whole time. It was awesome. Do you buy yourself a license. 100 oh, <laughs> percent. I had the green one. He had the blue one, and then we had to get little sister got a red one because she's the bad guy. So that's that's how we had to do it. about Disney real quick because we Yes. got yeah, more yeah.
1: before we stop. Um, three takeaways. Yeah. What, what were are like,
0: I mean, experience? so this is great. So I think the, the customer experience piece is, is Disney World, right? It is. You're, you're the customer. It's an experience. Yes. The whole thing is an experience. And I think 100% for the customer. It, it is. And, and, and they've gotten progressively better over time. So they're good about constantly, even though they're a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar, wildly, globally successful organization they're always figuring out how to get better, how to get better, right? And I thought about it when I was waiting in this line to go you know, drive the Millennium Falcon with my son, right? (laughs) Even the line was so engaging the whole time was all this different stuff and things moving. So like the painful experience, which they probably have a bunch of surveys and they talk to people is like, how was your Disney World experience? One out of 10.
1: Yeah, I know exactly what you're it's talking eight it's really cool
0: you know yeah and then they're like it, it, what's the gap and they always try to close the gap Well, it's, it's waiting on these lines so they say, okay great, you've got the fast pass yeah. now we've got we've got to engage people while they're in line even if they've got the fast pass. So they yeah. try to constantly close the gap. So I think it's the obsessiveness about finding perfection with the customer experience is like my top top number one takeaway was I mean, that And I think that's a good
1: point. I mean think of how much money they would have saved if they don't create this kind of this this pre experience right. within the line, right? right? I mean I know what you're talking about. There's bunts of animatronics, there's oh, all yeah. kinds of like you almost kinda of walk through a, a little storyline up right. until you actually get to it. I mean, they probably would have saved an insane amount of money. But that wouldn't would have been in the best interest right. of the customers. And I think that's a good point because you know there's these Monster Deal groups out there that I talk to and they're like, well I don't know Jay, you don't know how hard it is for me to change. And I'm like, really? Because, you know, look, look at Disney, multi-billion dollar company. Right. A hundred times thousands more, thousands thousand times more employees than you do, you right. know? And they make a change like yeah. that, you know? Yeah. And, and the reason they, they're able to make a change like that is
0: because all the way from the top down, the customer is at the center. Right, no, it's true. And that, that has to be a culture thing, right? And mm-hmm. there's quotes all over Disney World. This goes back to the clear vision is Walt Disney's vision and his quotes are all over there to reinforce with not only employees, but customers about what they're all about, right? Yeah. And I think that's important. You know, other big takeaway was there's multiple buyers in every transaction. And this is kind of okay. a unique thing to think about what you think about Disney, right? But then mm-hmm. um, it ties into the Star Wars thing is that you would, you would survey people probably and say, how was your experience at Disney, right? And you'd ask the kids and they'd say, it was the greatest thing ever. You'd ask mom, she'd say, oh, it was awesome because she's compassionate, I love the kids. You'd ask dad, he'd say, it sucked. It was hot, I waited in a line, I don't care about princesses, I don't care about Minnie Mouse, it sucked, right? Yeah. Well, now you get dad who, if you were to survey everybody now, kids said it was awesome, mom said it was pretty cool, and dad was like, this was the best three days of my life because we went to Star Wars. Yep. And I had a riot, so it's like, You've got to cater it to everybody, and I think when we're thinking That's in going the don't
1: break it down to the audience.
0: Absolutely, right? the the very specific audience, and to realize that while there may be one person writing the check to buy the car in our world, right, there's multiple influencers in there, right. And I think if you if you really think about, you know, when you sold cars or some of the best salespeople you've met you think about the interaction at the desk, and you think mm-hmm. about the people that have things there to engage the kids, oh, yeah. but it's not just the playroom in the other room, but it's the guy that keeps the candy there, I talk and the about kids are happy rooms. about that, right? And it's it's the guy that talks to the wife as yeah. much as he talks to the husband. And you think about the bad experiences where it's like the guy that doesn't act like the kids are there, lets them just go off the rails the whole time, only talks to the husband, not the wife, because exactly. he assumes he's the one making the decision. <laughs> so it's like, when you, when you think about the experience for everybody and realize that there's multiple buyers, right? When you're doing a demo with a car and you show the kids that, look, there's a plug right here, a USB plug, so you can plug yes. in your iPad. And they're like, oh, I, dad, I love that Expedition because it has the plugs in the back for my iPad. Like, That's what he cares about. Now you've got multiple people that are influencers of the decision that help make it, you know, you right yeah dad i like the guy with the candy i want to i want we should buy the car from the guy with the candy right because if you go to that other store and it's a wreck for the wife or for the kids and you're the guy buying the car it's like you just it's it's common sense stuff but it's not it's little stuff we do it
1: at the dealership i i think there's a fair amount of dealerships that are pretty good at presenting um to an audience I think the better presenters are good at identifying that there's multiple people within the audience so they do have to add that. You know, showing the kids the DVD screens, showing, right. you know, showing mom how easy it is to use so you don't have to lean backwards and push a button. It's just literally just hit the button up here. You know? So it's like right. engaging everyone. But then I think about our marketing efforts. And this is where I start to kick in and this is where I get really, really vocal because it pisses me off. Sure. Um, is that we stick a single ad out there or a single one, message, one person. and we're just like, this is good enough. Like, right. let me just check the proverbial, the proverbial box that I actually right. did my marketing. Right. And like one piece of creative, one message is gonna f- be good for every right. single person that's consuming.
0: So I'll tell you, this is a great point because this is my third takeaway from Disney is that amazing marketing trumps almost everything else. <laughs> is that what got me to go to Disney last weekend was yeah. the fact that I'm going to NADA this weekend and NADA happened to fall on January and I'm typically never gone on the weekends from my family that's my sacred time in my family but I knew I had to be gone this weekend right they did an ad and it was an ad of a guy on his phone like this and he's Mm -hmm. watching the video of a little girl at Disney hugging Minnie Mouse and then it zooms out and it's a a girl who's probably a late teen and she's putting on a sweatshirt and uh, and she goes you know you're gonna miss me dad and he's like not even going to notice you're gone. And then it said, like, they're only little once. And I was like, I oh thought about man. missing my daughter's first year of her life. Right oh, like, my God. What? And so when I think about my little girl. I'm like, <laughs> I, I've got to go to Disney now. I have to go right, <laughs> like now. right now. And so we literally booked a last-minute trip to Disney because it, like, hit me. And I'm like, they're only little once. And I'm gone all the time. I work all the time. I've got to go now. And it's like, yep. you know, just... Amazing, dead nut, spot on marketing. It 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 just makes. There's still emotion is a lot of what we do as human beings, well. right?
1: and and that's so key with marketing, right? right. If we can evoke an emotion in our marketing efforts, there studies show that our brain's ability to recall that information is four thousand times stronger, right? Than if there was no emotion at all, right? You know, we just drive by this billboard, nothing, right? right. My ability to recall it very 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 slim, right? right. But if you made me laugh, or you pulled out my heartstrings, in this case, that's what happened, oh my God. right? I teared up when I told the story. I know, I'm like, it's perfect. Like, yeah. I, actually, the funny thing is, now I'm hearing you say it, I'm like, oh, uh, crap.
0: I need to go to Disney, too, I right? I I need to now go to Disney.
1: Um, see, now, see that's, like, that's perfect them. marketing. You're, you're, you consumed a story. That story uh, allowed you to take action, all right? Now you share that story. It's perpetual. Right. Like, it is just, and I'm, I'm sure you're not the only person that's. I've I'm I'm sure the first. a bunch of people. Exactly, right? And I'm sure there's probably a handful of those people now, including myself, that's going,
0: I'm yeah, going to go drop you know, several thousand dollars on a Disney mm, trip. Yeah, yeah, I didn't that's plan well. on it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's, th- that's the power of creating messages specific to that audience, you know? Right. Um, you know, people think I'm crazy when I run ads for cars towards teenagers. Like, they think I'm nuts, I'm doing that. And
0: they're like, what are you, what are you they're not going to buy if you have a teenager you know you don't want an irate teenager right and if they want something they're going to be a pretty heavy influencer right yeah like they just they don't realize they, they, they I they think we get cynical it. right so we get very cynical in our business and think like it's recency so that last guy that grinded you down on payment and you know that whatever it is right you've got this recent experience and you get cynical and you're like people only care about the cheapest price people only care about the cheapest payment it's yeah. like it's just not true, right? Or we'd all be driving cheap economy cars, right? We yeah. wouldn't be dri- like people care well, you about stature. You no, I went to, to Wally World, right? Exactly. You know, like just this <laughs> yeah. BS, cheap, shitty experience. Because I'm like, well, the kids just want to go on a roller coaster and they want to see a, a stuffed animal walking around. Like, yep. no, that's not what they want, right? They're, it's very specific, and, and you're willing to pay a premium. And I even posted a couple times on this of like the Star Wars Coke bottle, right? That's that has, isn't it? I paid four dollars for ten ounces of Coke. It's perception of value, right? It's of Coca Cola. Like
1: you perceive, you perceive the value there.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> it. I mean, that's that. That's it. I did, and then my daughter paid like six dollars for a Goofy water bottle, like a regular disposable water bottle, not a reusable one. It was six. dollars Daddy, what Goofy? And I'm like. They're only little ones. And it all comes circles back around. I'm like, I, I gotta get her the goofy water bottle.
1: And you got a picture. I guarantee you got a picture of with the water bottle I do, bottle yeah,
0: 100%. There. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, so it's, it, it, I think some really good takeaways. And I think it's like, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, yeah. if you're looking for lessons to learn and take away to apply your business, you're always gonna find them, right? So yes. I went there with the intention of like, okay, these guys run a wildly successful enterprise, right? I know I'm going to be able to learn a ton from these guys, and yeah. I did. But you got to be aware of it. You got to look for. You, you, like, you
1: got to be open to it. And I do it even every single day. It's one of the things. Like I'll go into. Um, we went to a place the other day to get tacos, and like I just started picking up all these little right. things. I'm Processed like, you know, the, why are they doing this? Why they're moving that over there? You know, right. it's just. It, it is, and I think as a, a business owner, and you know, even as a salesperson, you're running your own business. These are the things you have to look at. Right. It's these little things that make these huge impacts. Right. You know, when you, here's what I find really kind of interesting is, you know when people find us, find out that we're in the automotive industry, you're at a dinner party, right? Right. They, they immediately want to tell you the story about them buying their car, sure, right? Yeah. Um, out of all the dinner parties I've been to, no one has ever once told me that they bought the $250 bi-weekly car.
0: Yeah no never. Have you ever heard that? Never. Yeah, it has not that. happened yet. Nobody's right? ever told you that. Like yeah.
1: they'll they'll tell me they bought the car, and then I'll ask them you know why they bought the car. Then I'll ask them why they bought the car from the dealership. Right. And it's never one big thing. Right. It was something little that the salesperson did, or it was something little that the car had. There was it was always the little things that had these huge impacts on
0: you. Right. You're right.
1: So there's some great takeaways, man. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had a ride. Yeah, dude, that was awesome. That was That was was so so much
0: fun. Yeah, very cool.